0: It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's quarters every week, right here on VolQuest.
1: Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast, presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. Glad to have you along with us on this Thursday. Don't forget about Smoky Mountain Organics. You can check them out online. At smokymountainorganics.com. Visit one of their four locations in East Tennessee, including that Knoxville location uh, right across from Trader Joe's on 8018 Kingston Pike, also in Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, and Sevierville as well. East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store focusing on natural products and organic remedies to a variety of ailments. That's Smoky Mountain Organics. All right, guys, let's jump right into this mailbag podcast here. Plenty of questions to get to. It's that time of year, we got a little bit of everything on the docket we'll start with some current football uh questions here and this is from ball since 1996 will there be a youth movement for the next few games to try to get some other players who haven't played more snaps bonus question do you see cedric tillman reaching a thousand yards at the end of the regular season crazy that that's a question rob but when you look at the numbers it's not unrealistic where is he over at 800
2: he's at 750 he's got about 250 to go um I mean I think if you count the
0: ball game almost certainly.
2: Yeah. I think I, mean, it, I think it depends is he, can he get it to a can he have an, a you know 100, another 150 yard game between you know over the next two. I just feel like the, there'll be limited opportunities cuz I think Tennessee's going to score quicker in these next two games. Uh, they'll spread it around and so uh, I am going to say he doesn't reach it in the regular season but does in the bowl game. I
0: think I he mean, there's a there's a shot. I mean you look the, the best two teams they played Georgia, Alabama—he's got three hundred and seventy-two yards receiving in those two games. I mean, he's getting more productive as the year goes on.
2: My 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 point being is, it, unless they keep a lot of those guys on the sidelines because they're trying to redshirt them or whatever, I just feel like you know if if he doesn't get a couple of big plays early and Tennessee gets up twenty-eight to nothing and he's got three catches for forty-seven yards, they could end up just saying, "All right, we're gonna you know we're gonna." not risk anything with with Cedric Tillman and some of these guys we and we're gonna play some of these younger players
1: yeah with 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 Javante Payton being out and I don't think he's going to play I'm going to I'm going to say that Cedric Tillman has a great shot at getting it done in these next two games I see your point Austin uh I just think that that's where Hendon Hooker's got his most trust and I think that yeah, I where do it, agree with that I think going to throw it to all right let's talk about youth movement we talked about it a little bit at receiver going to see do uh, you think we're going to see some other guys I mean Because here's the thing, Rob, if you got a guy who's played in, say, two regular season games, I mean, he can play in one of these two and still play in a bowl game and still redshirt. So that would be a guy like um, Dominic Bailey or Bryson Eason or some of those guys. I mean, I I think – I don't know that it's a full-blown movement, but I think you might see a couple guys you haven't seen in a while.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're just – I mean, not – if you're going to redshirt them, I mean, if that's truly the goal, then there's just not a ton of guys, are there? Right. That that you're going to blow it playing at South Alabama? I mean, you, you play ten games of the year, and if you've talked with those kids and you have that plan in place, it's a pretty short list. It certainly does not constitute a youth movement, quote unquote.
1: Yeah, there's not enough. There's not enough people on the roster for it to be a quote youth movement. Um, certainly on the defensive side of the ball, they're playing about about everybody. There's a handful there that, that you might see. Uh, a little bit more from. But I, I don't know that you'll see a ton of those guys. We mentioned it in the podcast on Tuesday. You know, maybe you see some young offensive linemen earlier. just depends on how how things go in this game and um, sort of where it goes from there. But, I mean, I you know, I don't know that you see a whole lot else um, at, at some other positions. All right, let's go to the next one here. Do you see Tennessee starting to get commitments as early signing day inches closer? Or do you see signatures just rolling in on early signing day? Do all the current commits plan to sign on the early signing day? Take a guess as to two younger players who get a lot of run against South Alabama and Vanderbilt. Prediction for the basketball tournament this week that the Vols are playing in. Rob, will go hoops tournament for you first. What do you think about Tennessee with two games in Connecticut? I mean, I think they got a shot, but I'll be honest. I just don't know enough about those other three teams
0: right now to feel you know like, like I have a great feel for that field. Uh, I watched Villanova play against UCLA most of the game, and I think they're a solid top ten team with really good guards. UNC I know struggled with Charleston earlier this week, so you know I think I don't think they're a juggernaut by any means. And Purdue is not the Purdue team. Tennessee, I mean, there's no Carson Edwards on on that team. If Tennessee makes shots, I think they not only win this week, they could they could beat, beat anybody. Like they're shooting around
1: forty
2: percent from three.
1: All right, uh, guess that a couple of young players who get a lot of run against South Alabama and Vanderbilt. Austin, you got anybody?
2: I mean, I, I think what you said, you know, I think Bryson and Dominic Bailey up front. Um, I think DJ uh, – not DJ, Deshaun Rucker, um, you know, makes sense in the secondary. Um, I, I don't want to throw, like, Kamal Haddon or turnage in there because I just, I don't consider them the same as as, you know, what we're talking about here. Um, and then you know, at wide receiver, you know, I don't know if there really is anybody. I mean, does Walker Merrill get any run? You know,
1: well, obviously they're gonna pl- they're gonna play Ramel Keaton a lot more because of the injury to yeah. Devonta Payton. That that's not gonna be because of who they're playing. It's the fact that he's got an injury and they've got to have somebody step in, and he's the next guy it appears to be in line. Sure. You, know, at point. you don't think we'll
0: see some Holiday because that's the one. That, I mean, he's played special teams pretty much every week, hasn't he? I and mean, he's not a red shirt. I mean,
1: kid. has Miles Campbell played special teams on? And how many games? I don't have the release in front of me. Um, I think he's – I don't know that he's played in in four at this point. He maybe. would make sense to me. Yeah, it could. I mean, uh, but you're right on holiday as well. I mean, I, you know, I think that you might get a chance to look at, at him and see where he's at, you know, and, and maybe Walker, Merrill, a couple of those guys there potentially if things are going well for Tennessee. Um, all the current commits plan to sign on early signing day. I think anybody committed right now is wanting to do that, Austin. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and do you see Tennessee – Tennessee's going to get some stuff done here before the early signing day. It's not like they're going to roll in and get 10 new guys on early signing day. They're going to they're make some commitment noise between now and, and, and the signing date in December, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that – I'd be shocked if Tennessee doesn't have a commit or two before the calendar turns to December. Okay. I mean, you know.
0: AP, with Justin Williams decommitting, is that just a matter of time now? Is that, is, is that directly correlated to his Tennessee visit? Yeah.
2: Uh, sure, yeah, I think that's 100% correlated to that. <clears throat> I mean, I said Saturday night that I thought Tennessee's the leader. Um, he's you know, got
1: to he's got to come back, doesn't he? Doesn't doesn't he have to make a couple of trips before he? I don't think he's going to decommit and immediately flip to somewhere in, in the for, next in the coming days.
2: Yeah, he, he's not going to do anything until he he'll he'll officially visit here December 11th. That last weekend, I, he's not going to do anything before then. So, I mean, anybody that's expecting him just to hop in the boat that that that's probably not going to happen. You know, he's going to officially visit December 11th. Uh, I think there's a, a chance he makes it back up here unofficially Saturday.
1: Um, all right. Uh, C.D. Vol, um, is Tennessee playing catch-up to Auburn on the JUCO defensive backs in Gilbert and Scott?
2: Uh Yeah, I mean, they're battling with those schools um, or with, with Auburn. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Tennessee's in a better shot with Gilbert than they are Scott. Um, that just – Scott, Scott's a West Coast kid, and I'm not saying he won't come to Auburn or come to Tennessee or, or Miami, but, you know, Oregon or, Oregon makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways just because he's he's from out that way. I don't seem to want to BYU. Um, you know, Gilbert feels like they're, they're in a better spot, spot with him. Um, and then, you know, you've got, you know, other, you know, players – you know, in the JUCO ranks, uh, like a guy like Michael Carraway at Pearl River Community College in Mississippi um, that uh, Tennessee's taking a hard look at as well.
1: Yeah, I think you'll see some JUCO names pop up, continue to pop up as Tennessee continues to evaluate in that world as well. Um, all right, who, this is from Can't Get Right 8402. Uh, who would you consider our most important commit currently? Who's the most important, important target currently?
2: Well, I mean, most important commit, I mean, I would go Taven Jackson. Anytime you get quarterbacks, man. I mean, quarterbacks are always going to be your most important commits because quarterback drives the train. It's a line of scrimmage league, and, and linemen are, are a close second. But if you're not good at quarterback, you're not going to be any good. So, you know, I, I just go with, I go with Taven Jackson. And then, you know, what do they do, you know, if they have exodus from that room, you know, if, if, if Joe decides to leave, you've got to bring in another body. If Hendon were to leave, you, you know, that changes the, how you handle things dramatically, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I'll go with that.
1: What was the other question? Who's the most important guy on the board?
2: That's a good question. Um, I'll go pass rushers. You know, I, you know, I, I think, you know, Joshua Josephs, James Pierce, guys that can get to the quarterback. I think that's important. I mean, how many times in the last couple of weeks, Brandon, have, you know, Tennessee secondary, which admittedly is not the, the fastest group out there, have they been able to hold up a decent amount of time and Tennessee just can't get home and without bringing significant blitzes? I mean, what? I'm sorry. I go ahead. Go oh, ahead. I'm done.
0: I was just, on, on the Milton, he's got to go down, right? Is that the rule?
2: Yeah, that's right. If he left, he would have to go down. Or if he grad transferred. If he, grad, if he
1: can grad transfer, you know, like <clears> – <throat> um but 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 didn't he grad transfer from michigan wasn't he a graduate didn't he graduate early from michigan that's what i, I thought no maybe he did i guess you're right I, I so guess he would I have guess. to be and then and he's not gonna have his graduate degree i don't think in a year's time at tennessee so i, I think he would probably have to transfer down because he's already grad transferred but um i don't know that for sure because i don't know what that we, rule tennessee i don't know what that had rule so many,
2: is tennessee had so many new kids come in hubs <laughs> and then the one-time transfer passed and it all kind of happened at one time, so it's all a melting pot for me.
1: It is. It, I'm with you 100. That's. I, I said that. I, I could be wrong, but I think I'm right on that. No,
2: I think you're right about that. I just it. it but it all happened in one fell swoop, where like things were overlapping and interlocking, and,
1: or, yeah. I mean, and he could probably take a chance and try to get a waiver, right? Yeah, I'm sure he could. I'm, I'm sure he could. He could try to do that as well. Um, and who knows how that process is going to work with the ever evolving, ever changing or uh, NCAA. Assuming he wants to leave, and I, I think that'll depend a lot on what that the rest of that room looks like as well. Right.
2: You, I mean,
1: before we go any further, how
2: great of a reclamation project would be, would it be for Hyple if he took Joe Milton and actually made him functional? Well, after I mean, you've seen him, after you've seen him this year with all the overthrows and stuff, if a year from now Hendon Hooker left and Joe Milton was the guy and played well, would it be a surprise to you? Yes or no? surprise uh, not a shock
1: yeah surprise but not a shock I, I'm telling you I mean and and I know the game was over and maybe that's why maybe he wasn't geeked up or whatever but I mean what he did at the end of the Georgia game is what everybody thought you would see out of him th- this year I mean a guy who could hit the deep ball and then impale and a ball into Cedric Tillman's chest at the goal line uh, on a slant I mean he he threw the ball, but he was not all geeked up overthrowing it. I, I thought that was by far the best he looked. Now, I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into that because it's the end of the game, whatever. There were still some Georgia starters on the field, though, and, and he looked like a guy who had more command and more control of things than he did early in the year. And, again, I, I think part of that's because game was over and he was pretty relaxed. And, you heard it here first, Milton Heisman, 2022. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. That's right, AP. All right, Brandon – Uh, underscore SV wants to know, hypothetically speaking, Jimbo leaves A&M five days before signing day. Where does Walter Nolan sign? Uh, LSU? (laughs) I don't know. I mean. You know, I don't know, man. That's a great question.
2: I mean, he's super connected to a lot of those kids at at Um, A&M.
1: It might still be at A&M. Who knows what happens? You know,
2: again. The only thing for sure about Walter Nolan, and Walden, Walter Nolan is for sure. I'm never going to close the door on anything, one way or the other, until that kid puts pen to paper. Yep, that's for sure.
1: Uh, second question he's got: Assuming all starters are healthy, which of these former players would start for this team? You ready? Nick Rivas, Raquez Crump, Dylan Bates, Denarius Moore, Rajon Neal, Prentice Wagner, Brent Brewer. Well.
2: That Daenerys Re- 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 Moore would start in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah, I would say the two most likely out of that crew that would start would, or the three most likely, Rayjon Neal, Denarius Moore, Nick Reves. I don't know about the rest, but those three I think ha- would have a great shot at being. a starter. You think Re-
0: Rajon wouldn't start over Ty on unhealthy? Do you think?
2: Well, he wouldn't now that he's got his LASIK eye surgery. That's <laughs> terrible. If you've heard <laughs> that, if you've heard that uh, <laughs> ad on the nation. Um- yeah.
1: You know, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, but the fact of the matter is, Tyon Evans has not been healthy, and we've not seen him healthy. So I'm going to bank on him not being healthy, and so I'm going to say yes, Rajon Neal um, w- would be the starter at. That Wasn't night. Rajon a
0: thousand yard rusher here? He was. Yeah,
1: he was most
0: unheralded thousand yard rusher in, in program history. Perhaps. And
1: that was that
2: was when he was. And that was when he couldn't see. Think about if he could see. No, you're he terrible. he could
1: see now. You're terrible. He could see. He's just, he's, he's had some LASIK surgery and he's telling he everybody. You can see better now, it. though You can not see better. All right, let's get on with that before you get us all in trouble with Heifel and staff looking like a great, like a good hire to this point. Is this Tennessee's best shot to move back into prominence in the SEC? Considering the Mullen and Florida mess, we seem to be a clear notch above or two above teams. We should be beating and we just seem to have Kentucky's number. Is this Tennessee's best shot?
2: No, because the best shot was clearly the Butch Jones era when Georgia was down and Florida was down and and they didn't get to Atlanta. You know, now, I mean, if they get to Atlanta now, they're a playoff team, you know, in so many ways. You know, that's where Tennessee is. If they can ever get back to Atlanta, they're a legitimate playoff team.
1: Yep. I just think it's harder now because of where Georgia's at, because you're right, they weren't there. I mean, they're they're the game changer in the East that wasn't there five years ago. So- they've got
2: they've got to get to the pod system, and I know that means you're going to have to beat an Alabama, probably, or something like that. But I just feel like there's a you've got to get to where like you you beat one team, and then you you don't have this. I mean, you're in the SEC, you're going to play a murder murderous schedule anyway. But the fact they played the two best teams in this league every year, is really, really difficult. Yep. I, I will say this.
0: It's easier to get to number three right now than well, it has do. been in a long time because of Florida, LSU, Auburn's just – I mean, they're not really a mess like Florida is, but they, they certainly don't have it rolling.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I think I think the number three spot is up for grabs behind Alabama and Georgia. A&M's in that, in that mix. Certainly, we'll see what LSU looks like with a new coach. We'll see where Josh Heupel can take Tennessee.
2: And how, how, long is, how long is A&M willing to be patient with Jimbo? I mean, I know they give him this million, $100 million deal in 10 years and all that stuff. But if you can't get past Alabama and you can't get to Atlanta, what does it matter? I mean, the, the last conference title they had was the last Tennessee won a conference title.
1: That's nineteen ninety. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing about them, I mean, if you're if you're Texas A&M and, and you're getting ready to spend $250 million more on facility stuff they're committed to and, and all those things out there, we, we talk about Butch Jones, you know, beating Florida and, and Georgia and not getting to the SEC championship game. I mean, think about where Texas A&M is right now, Rob. I mean, you're sitting there, LSU's a train wreck. They're not even bowl eligible. Um, you beat Alabama head-to-head, and you, you lost to Arkansas, Mississippi State, and old Miss to, to make you non-relevant in terms of getting to the SEC West. That's, that's, I hadn't really thought about that, but that's nuts. It is. I
0: mean, that, that's, that's not quite like beating Georgia in Florida and, and, and staying home the first week of December, but it's
1: close. It is pretty close, that's for sure. That is for sure. All right, next one we have, if Lincoln Riley, here we go, if Lincoln Riley were to leave, would Heupel entertain OU if they came calling? Has he ever stated it's his dream job? Do you get the sense he and his family like it here and they like the area? I do get the sense that his family likes it here. I think they're very comfortable here. Um, I mean, the guy played at Oklahoma. I don't know that Lincoln Riley is going anywhere, and I don't know that Oklahoma's calling Josh Heupel if there there was an opening. But I do know this. I think his family does certainly like it in in East Tennessee, um, and and I think they seem very comfortable here, and they like the direction. Josh likes the direction he's got things going uh, with this program.
0: And Hubbard, don't you think it's also huge in this in that business that he likes and trusts the guy he works for, his boss?
1: Yep. And it's not just his boss. I mean, I, I mean it's not just Danny White. I think it's also the administration at Tennessee. I mean, they've been very accommodating to him. He talked about it on Wednesday night on ball calls. I mean, they did not they did not tell him it would take a year to get everything moved around so he could practice in the mornings. I mean, that was done. You know, I practice in the mornings. Okay. We'll get everything done, you know, schedule-wise for classes and all those things. It's done. It's taken care of. Um, they've been very committed to anything that that he needs, not just from Danny White's standpoint, but the administration standpoint. As and well. we love him for it. We love those morning practices. We do. I'm not it, sure the players like it when it's 25 degrees outside and they've got to go out there and get going. But well, they uh, can
2: toughen we up. Like we don't <laughs> have to go to the practices anymore, and we like those noon practice conferences, which hey, allows me it. to go watch my kids play basketball at night.
0: AP, I'd feel better if you bought a house.
1: Uh, he got a chuckle out of that one when i told him that story tonight about uh, the fact that he was unhappy because he was renting here and he he just laughed and said well and we're not we're not going to rent and stay in this house much longer as soon as we get the house we bought done with our renovations we're moving and i think i think they're ready to do that as quick as they can all right um to e schaefer 92 do perry and herring project his inside linebackers or edge guys if toland is to flip where does he project If they're outside guys, if they're not outside guys, where do they turn? uh,
2: They're Herring and and Perry are inside guys. Um, Tolan is not the same position as like, you know, like uh, Joshua Josephs is a Leo, same thing with James Pierce. Tolan's more inside that can play outside
1: than he he is just full-fledged inside. Okay. Um, Which job do you think is better? Uh, an SEC, Oklahoma or Tennessee? I guess this is going back to the, this guy's circling back around to the, hey, what if Oklahoma calls Josh Heupel? I guess why he's asking that. <laughs> yeah.
2: See, like, because of, but, but because the way Lane exited, this just, I mean, it's natural. You, you, your, your natural reaction as a ball fan is, you know, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. And, you know, so you get a little chatter out there about Lincoln Riley and LSU. I mean, why would, I mean, no offense. I, I think Lincoln Riley, what's he done? Like, he, he took advantage of the Big 12, I mean, like, the, which is weak. He made it to the playoff. They blew that game to Georgia. Didn't make it to the title game. He's got run out of the gym. Anytime he, he plays anybody worth anything. I mean, I, I think he's coached some Heisman Trophy winners. That's great. The, the, but, you know, I mean, I think he's a great offensive mind. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, it's not like, you know, would you rather have would you rather have Jimbo or Lincoln Riley? I mean, did you really
0: just say, what's Lincoln Riley done? How many times has he been in the playoffs? In the week Big 12. And he's got three guys starting on Sundays that played quarterback for him, and two more Heisman trophies in this whole entire university as in its history.
2: No, I he's coached Heisman Trophy winners. Well, those are the things he's done. Which job's better job? I I would take, well, in its current form, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, You know, I mean, Oklahoma's won a lot more games than Tennessee has in the last decade, Um, but they've not been in this league.
0: And, man, I wasn't that that impressed with it when, when we went out there. Were you guys? I was kind of – I was underwhelmed by the, just the facilities, and, you know, the, the inside the stadium. It was not – it was not what I expected for a program that's got that kind of tradition.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think – I mean,
2: It was solid.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but, but I mean, it, it wasn't
0: Alabama. No, it wasn't elite. Or Georgia or, or Tennessee. No, You're I mean, just it, talking about the pregame and walking to the stadium and all that.
2: Oh, no, it wasn't even A&M. I think A&M's – Oh, I A&M, think the – A&M's tailgate situation was spectacular. I agree. Yeah, it's – um,
0: But, I mean, re- recruiting-wise, it's a little like Tennessee. I mean, you got to recruit out of state, but they have such a deep history of, of pillaging in North Texas. Then, you know, I don't know that – I mean, Tennessee's, Certainly pulled a lot of players out of Georgia over the years, but I don't not like Oklahoma does Texas. And this is something I didn't realize this. Rick Barnes told me this. Norman, Oklahoma is closer to Dallas than Austin, Texas is.
1: Yes, that's right. I made that's that drive. That's crazy. That is. That's
0: crazy. how big Texas is.
1: All right, let's go to Bud Wrigley. Rob, uh, I know we signed Edwards for next year, but in the waters this program's been swimming on, it almost feels like this was a missed year in recruiting with the loss of Fokey, Chandler, and any other departures, how's Coach Barnes going to try and make sure this program doesn't take a step back?
0: Transfer portal, international guys. Uh, And, yeah, it was a miss in recruiting. When you look at the kids that they had on campus in June and and didn't close on, you know, you got Kassan Wallace here twice, you know, a top-10 guy. Brandon Miller is an in-state guy that's a top-15 national player. You couldn't get him back on campus, lost him to Alabama. Um, Yeah, it was a step back. And i said this before, I think the biggest result of that was Tennessee lost two guys who were really good recruiters, who had a track record of building relationships with kids. And, you know, this hasn't been a program where, you know, the staff offers a kid that they like in June, and they pull them in in November. I mean, all those five stars we're talking about, Tennessee got, were, had been recruited for multiple, multiple years, every single one of them.
1: By the way, hats off to Kim English. Big win over Maryland for his undefeated George Mason team um, taking place tonight. All right, to, or taking place on um, Wednesday night. Nashville, 615. Give me a reason to hope this year's been great. We're at least winning the games we're supposed to win. However, it's a clear talent gap between Tennessee, Florida, and Alabama, um, and Georgia, obviously. Uh, recruiting isn't going well. There's no way to sugarcoat that. What makes you think this roster will be better in year two, three, or beyond is seven and five to ceiling. There's some pretty solid talent on the roster now, even with 30 plus transfers. With Butch and Pruitt, a new coach provided a jolt in recruiting. That's not happening. Is the game plan to rely heavily on the transfer portal going forward? Let me let me, let me say this, and and everybody can jump in here. I, I won't say this about the recruiting thing. One butch jones got it got a little help because he had some legacy guys in state that got the in-state thing going i think the other thing too is when, when particularly when butch jones got here there was no early signing date so you had a little more time you know i mean so many guys are off the board in june josh heupel had been here four months and you're in the middle of an investigation where everybody says you're you might get the death penalty or you're going to get multi-year bowl ban type deals and kids are coming off the board i mean you look at the recruiting board right now, Austin, it's not, it's not deep. I mean, there's not a ton of names on it because so many guys are off the board. They come off so early.
2: Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, like, people on the board are always like, you know, how, how, do, people, how do people really believe that they're going to get the death penalty? Because parents don't know. Recruits don't know. If you've got one school who's not invest, under investigation telling you one thing and one school that's under investigation telling you something different, which one you probably go believe? The One that's not under investigation, or even if you don't believe it, you just don't. It just, just creates uncertainty, yes, yeah. yeah. uncertainty
0: yeah. with Tennessee, and there's not uncertainty with school X, Y, and Z.
2: That's exactly, it's 100 correct. Now, seven and five is not the ceiling. Uh, you know, I mean, here's the thing seven to five this year, you know, I, I think t- Josh Hype was probably lucky he didn't win the old miss or pit game because it then it would create false narrative heading into next year. You've got to replace some key guys, and that don't even count the guys that could potentially lead, like Hendon Hooker, Cedric Tillman, those type players. Um, you need to hold on to those guys, get them to come back. That's when this program continues the upward arc. But if let's say a year from now, Tennessee wins at LSU because they're in first year of a new head coach. Let's say they beat Pittsburgh, and then they win all the other games they supposed to, and they go nine and three. But they lose again to Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. To me that's a success because again you're taking you're continuing to take steps like everybody just wants them to hurdle these the the big three like that to me that's never going to just be like blink your you know this isn't i dream a genie hub no
1: guarantee you catch them so, correct I mean, hurdle them i mean that's just i mean that's just the reality of of good. now again the conference going to change pods and all those things change the schedule which could be beneficial to tennessee um but uh, I mean, there's no guarantee that you catch the, that you catch those guys because I can promise oh. you, Georgia's not taking a step backwards. And,
0: and Alabama, I mean, they're on the best run of any program over the last
1: decade in the history of college football. Yeah, and I mean, I'll say I'll say this too. I may be wrong. I think of all the jobs that are open out there, you can turn around LSU faster than anybody else because I think there's talent on that roster. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that is a more talented roster that. I mean, you're talking about underachieving. They're grossly underachieving with the talent that's running around on that roster.
2: Let, let, let's go back to what he also said in this question, Hubs. He said what? He said – he said – read it again. Like he said, there's talent here. Right? What would he say? Even he though we've had – a-
1: He said there's some pretty solid talent still on the roster now, even with the 30-plus transfers.
2: I think there's there's okay talent. I, I, I think they've won with smoke and mirrors this year in a lot of ways. Like, there's some nice. There's no depth. There's no talent depth, in my opinion. Maybe at a couple of positions there are some. There's some depth of talent, but I think on the whole there's there's no depth among the roster. I think you've got to have a couple more classes to get depth on the roster. Like you know everybody thinks D back. I mean to D back with because he's six five and he looks great, but he he doesn't play for a reason. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody, and and, and I think all of us are guilty of this in some regard, get caught up in looking at their star rankings coming out of high school, but that doesn't always translate to player in college.
1: No, and it never will. But, I mean, you know, when you're not winning, that's what you're hanging your hat on. Sure. You know, that's what every fan's hanging their hat on is, hey, help's on the way when you're not winning. I mean, so suddenly those guys take on greater importance, right? I mean – you know, you've talked about it. I mean, the worst thing that happened to Harrison Bailey was the fifth star, but yep. it created unrealistic expectations there. Um, you know, if Hendon Hooker were to leave, I mean, Taven Jackson's a four-star midterm enrollee, right? So he, they're going to hand him the ball and he's going to run with it. And everything is going to be great because that's what – I mean, that's what the p- belief and the perception of it gets created um, w- with the ranking stuff that's out there. I'm not knocking the ranking stuff. That's just a byproduct. Byproduct, yeah. And and there's been enough rankings that have been right where guys have yeah. made impacts. I know what Cade said on Tennessee Prime about, you know, it's not normal for freshmen to be playing, you know, particularly at his his position. But there's been enough of them out there that have played as freshmen and succeeded that generates the the hope that everybody can do that. And, and that's kind of where things are, particularly when your program is down on its luck and is trying to turn its fortunes around. All right, a couple more to get to as we get out the gate here. Uh, C. Troutman won over and under, one-and-a-half assistant coaching changes for this offseason. And do you think we'll have more players surprise us by foregoing the NFL draft for one more year at UT, or will more players surprise us by foregoing their last season at UT to enter the NFL draft? He's obviously talking about Hendon Hooker. You know, I don't know what Hendon Hooker is going to do. I think it's going to be what does the NFL say about him? Rob, you make the best point on Hendon Hooker that I don't think it's getting talked about enough. Hendon Hooker is going to be 24 years old in January or, or the first of the year. I mean that that that's that's significant when you talk about starting your NFL clock. Yeah. I mean, I think it's much. It's not the same as a
0: guy who's a 21 year old junior. Yeah, to me, I, but I think it's I think it makes a big difference. Yeah. I think it, somebody in Hooker's situation is more likely to leave if they're told they have a fifth round grade than that twenty one year old junior is.
1: Right. Austin over and under on assistant and a half changing after this offseason. I'm under. taking the under. I'm under. taking the under. I think this I'm not sure anybody's leaving. leaving.
2: Yeah. I don't think anybody's leaving. Yeah. And let now now again, the caveat to that is is does somebody come and hire Alex Golish to call plays. Like again, Alex Golish, you know, I, you know he wants to call the plays. I mean hype calls the plays. Golish is involved in the play calling. But I calls the place. You know, if somebody's willing to come and say, "Hey, you're now going to be the guy that calls them here," I mean, you would think you would have to listen to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm sure anybody. But I think every I think everybody's coming back. Yeah, I do too now. But again, you never know what the domino effect is with people getting jobs out there. But um, I, I don't think anybody's looking to leave now. If an opportunity came about where you um, can advance your career, that's a total different deal. But right now, I, I don't see anybody looking for, for a place, uh, you know, to get out of here as quick as they can. All right, last question. What's everyone's assessment of the job that Danny White has done so far? Can you go into some detail? I know we we're all quite proud of what Hypel has accomplished so far with such limitations. So what is a rational idea of what to expect going forward, assuming recruiting transfer portal picks up, goes mar- transfer portal pickups go marginally well? I think we just talked about what their uh, expectations are, where they could be a year from now uh, in the previous question. But for Danny White, what's your assessment of Danny White at this point?
0: You you spent more time with him than anybody. What's your
1: assessment? I think, I think he has done a really good job of listening, much more than I thought that given the reputation that he came in with. Um, I, I think he has spent much more time listening and – Learning and trying to to figure out what what things are important to people and what things are not. Um, obviously, they're trying to raise as much money as they can. He's going to build buildings. That I think there's no question that he he's all about building facilities and benefit. But little things like the ball sign thing that that's listening. Okay, that that's that's paying attention to what somebody tells you. Uh, and, and obviously, he took a pretty good you know he took a pretty good stand, Austin, by saying, "Hey, we're not doing the bowl band. We're we're not we're just not doing that." And, and I think that's a – I think he drew a pretty good line in the sand there, which I think a lot of people respect the leadership of that and, and, and him doing that from a leadership standpoint. Well,
2: you know as well as I do, Tennessee fans are going to gravitate to anyone who has their back. And for all the kind of, you know, the notions coming in, he, he's had Tennessee's, you know, the fans, the program, you know, the university's back from the moment he got here. So I think, you know – taking a stand against the bowl band for the kids, for the fans, all that is something that won over a lot of people. Uh, And you're right. I mean, listen, you're doing all the renovations of the stadium. It's just an easy thing to add those four letters back up there. And it does a lot of goodwill. I mean, it's just, again, it's not hard. It is not hard to have good PR. And, you know, even though sometimes people make it hard and, you know, he's done a really good job of listening. You're right. Sitting back and just, taking it all in you know instead of coming in and trying to change 400 things you know to make it you know put his thumbprint and fingerprint and signature on everything he's just sitting back listening and saying hey you know this would this would work here why not use this here
1: yeah there's a lot of people that that there's some people not happy with the ticket stuff you know with the changing of Um, that policy and and that that needed to happen though it really did somebody had to are you? Are you? I didn't mean to interrupt you. Are you still amazed when you hear the figure that Tennessee's net profit on basketball donations is three hundred thousand dollars a year? Yeah, that's crazy. That that that's that's, crazy. that is a crazy number. I mean,
0: somebody was going to have to step up on on the ticket deal and pull a Doug Dickey and say, "Put the put the ugly on me," because that was just an untenable situation when you're in the arms race that this league has become in terms of you know fundraising re- re- revenue needs and know, the kind of infrastructure you have to have in place in your department.
1: Yep. So there's some thoughts on Danny White. There's some thoughts on recruiting, some thoughts on basketball, thoughts on football as well as Tennessee gets ready to take on South Alabama on Saturday and a chance to get bowl eligible to basketball team with a couple of big opportunity games coming up in Connecticut this weekend as well. We'll have it all covered for you at ballquest.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the Smoky Mountain Organics BallQuest Mailbag Podcast for – Rob Lewis and Austin Price. I'm Brett Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody.
0: You've been listening to the Ballquest Mailbag podcast every week, right here on Ballquest.